0: So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com slash recommend today. Yes, indeed. Good morning. I am joined by Mary Meyer from the University of Minnesota. Good morning to you, Mary.
1: Good morning, Denny. Great to be with you again. Gosh, we could talk about gardening in December today.
0: It's true. I, I wanted when I knew you were gonna be on I wanted to make mention that and I know everybody's got a different story story here about snow or lack of, but we were able to move more yet more leaves out of the yard, uh, which I've never done before in almost the middle of of December. But seriously, we in fact we had a text, Mary, just a, a bit ago about the lack of snow cover and I know lawns and gardens need it and you can tell me why, but Texter says we need some snow to cover up the septic systems, or else we will get a cold snap, things will freeze up, then it gets expensive. So besides septic systems, uh, why do our lawns and shrubs need some snow now?
1: Well, snow is a poor man's mulch, and it does protect a lot of our plants from uh, more extreme conditions. It covers up the soil, and so the frost doesn't go as deep. Uh, when we have the snow mulch on the top of it. So, yes, from a plant perspective, uh, snow is really a good thing. And without it, we do see more injury with plants, especially, uh, herbaceous plants. So yes, we could use some snow, but if we don't have the snow, uh, like you said, there are still some gardening chores that we can do. Uh, cleaning up lawns from, uh, cleaning up leaves from the lawn is one thing. Uh, there, there's a lot of more food when uh, there is no snow. There's more food for rodents, mice, rabbits, etc. But we still could be protecting our uh, trees, especially the trunks from uh, damage damage from rabbits. So that's another thing to be doing this time of year.
0: Absolutely. I uh, want to invite our listeners to join in on the conversation. If you have any kind of a lawn or garden question, call it in or text it in to Mary. Uh, same number, 651-989-9226. Um, there is a text, and I want to grab a phone call here in a second, but a text says, you have said, or maybe you and your colleagues have said to leave plants uncut through the winter. How do you know when to cut them in the spring?
1: Well, we cut them in the spring when it's about time for them to start growing again. Um, there are some gardeners who don't do any cutback now. <laughs> and um, I usually wait until the spring, and then I cut things back at a much higher level than I used to. So we know that a lot of insects use the stems of our uh, perennial plants, and they live in those stems. And so if we leave some of the stems up six or eight inches in the bottom, that is very beneficial for a lot of insects. But normally the cutback in the spring is as things are starting to grow again. So usually that's uh, sometime into late uh, April or early May.
0: Okay, we're good. Uh, Mary, let's go to the phones. I think Tom is calling in from Dayton this morning. Tom, you are on with Mary Meyer.
1: Morning, people. Uh, two questions, if I may. I put down dormant seeding before the first and only snowfall. I'm wondering what condition that seed is in, and also what's your opinion on, dormant, uh, on hydro seeding? Uh, I think that the seed you put down early, in, uh that's probably in October sometime when we had the snows in October, I think that's probably okay. Uh, we, you know, the snow would have helped to put that down into the soil, and uh, not much has happened since then. So we haven't had a lot of rain to wash it off, so I expect that that, that should be okay. Um, and then your other question was, oh, hydroseeding? Yeah, hydroseeding is great. Hydroseeding, uh, there are lots of new materials today and um, different organic materials that are used. So hydroseeding is a uh, kind of blowing the seed on, but usually with moisture and other with some other uh, organic materials that will help to hold moisture and to help to hold the seed in place. So hydro-seeding is done usually on large areas, especially slopes, et cetera. Um, I would caution you if you're going to do hydro-seeding just to find out what kind of seed is actually going to go into that mix because the seed is the most expensive part of it and the most important part.
0: And usually, I mean, the the homeowner doesn't usually do that, right? Is it usually a company uh, that uh, does that? Yeah, a a larger area. Right, exactly.
1: That's that's usually a truck. (laughs) It's usually a big uh, something that has the power and the, uh, the pressure to really put that seed a huge distance away from it, uh, away from the truck. So, right, not, not something a homeowner could do, but you could certainly uh, contract that out, especially if you have a steep bank and a large area that you need to reseed.
0: Sure makes sense. A couple of questions from the text line. Uh, This one is, I'll be growing numerous sunflowers in the west end of my yard next summer. What should I do to prepare the ground? That's one question. What do you think?
1: Uh, To prepare the ground? Well, at this point, there's not really anything you can do this fall. And um, with an open... Situation like we have now with no snow, you'd likely have more erosion anyway. So don't worry about doing anything um, this fall. But in the spring, as soon as you can work the soil, um, yeah, I would do some uh, tilling there, remove any weeds. If there are weeds growing there right now, especially any weeds that have seed heads on, you could cut the seed heads off. So to try to eliminate any seed bank that uh, would be coming into that area. But um, just uh, tilling, you could get a soil test next spring if seed bank that uh, would be coming into that area. But um, just uh, tilling, you could get a soil test next spring. If you can collect soil now, if it isn't totally frozen, you could have a soil test done to see uh, what the pH is and what nutrients uh, you might need to add.
0: And the second part, Mary says, what is the best plant to attract butterflies here in Minnesota?
1: Well, there are a lot of great plants to attract butterflies. I think uh, if I had to pick just one, I would pick the uh, native liatris or blazing star. Uh, They're like liatris aspera is uh, a plant that we often uh, see, it, You can hardly see that plant without butterflies on it. So the native blazing star, uh, coneflower, the asters in the fall, there are many uh, plants that really do a great job of attracting butterflies. Uh, Von- Verbena bonariensis is not a native plant, but that's one that's very good for attracting butterflies. Zinnias are very good uh, in a garden. You'll usually get a lot of butterflies just with uh, annual zinnias. But we do have lots of information on this and um, uh, other other uh, insects that are attracted. Uh, to uh, pollinator plants uh, on the website at extension.umn.edu. And Julie Wiesenhorn has done a lot of work with this with comparative, uh, which cultivars of plants are most attractive for insects and pollinators. So uh, there's a, a large group to choose from, starting with crocus in early springtime and going to the asters at the the very end of the year. You want to try to get something that's in bloom all year long in your garden.
0: All right, excellent ideas. Mary Meyer from the University of Minnesota is joining us in helping you out this morning with your lawn and garden questions. If you have one, call us or text us. Same number, 651 989 9226. We'll take a quick break. Be right back with more Smart Garden here on News Talk 830 WCCO. And good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show. If you happen to have a lawn or garden question from Mary Meyer, call it in or text it in. Same number, 651-989-9226. And as usual, Mary, we have callers, we have texters to uh, put you back to work here. Let's go back to the phones. I think Helen's first up here, calling from Mayor. Helen, you are on with Mary. Hello. Hi. I
1: have a question about the iris. I uh, dug those out. I know you're supposed to do this in August, but anyhow, it was probably September when I dug them out, but they were still green tops, so I just got the rest of them all planted in south of the house here this week, <laughs> and they still had green tops, so do you think they will grow next spring? <laughs> uh, yes, Helen, I think your iris will probably be okay. That's that's kind of amazing. Here we have a testimonial from a listener that she was able to plant something on December, what, 11th was yesterday. (laughs) So truly amazing that you could get the shovel in the ground, Helen, but that is kind of it at this point. If you can get the shovel in the ground, that's where the plant should be, not in your garage or not in the back of your car or somewhere or sitting out in front of your house. Uh, roots above the ground will not live very well. So if you can get a shovel in the ground, go for it. And uh, iris do tend to have that kind of evergreen look to them. Um, they are tough plants. They're good plants for Minnesota. I think that they'll be fine uh, next year.
0: Very good. Uh, Texture says, I, I have potted amaryllis from last year. They have been watered and in inside all year. Leaves are about three feet long. What do I do to get them to bloom?
1: Well, hopefully they will bloom. The the uh, key to getting them to bloom is that they have enough stored energy and food that's accumulated since last year when they did bloom. Uh, yours sounds like it's big. It's got a lot of leaves on it. And if it's going to bloom sometime this winter, you will just see the, the bud come up from in between the, the leaves. Now, this is quite a trick sometimes to get amaryllis to bloom. Uh, most people that are successful with this put it outside in the summer so they get the best light possible in the summer. Some people give them a dormant treatment in the fall before they, right when they bring them in. You don't have to give them a dormant uh, period And so at this point, I would say um, just hope for the best. You could try giving it a little bit of uh, liquid fertilizer, dilute liquid fertilizer um, every week or two, and bright, sunny conditions.
0: All right, back to the phones we go, Mary. Mary Jo is calling in this morning from Monticello, I believe. Mary Jo, you are on with Mary Meyer.
1: Good morning, thank you for taking my call. Mm -hmm. I have a hibiscus that's about 10 years old. And it's about ten feet tall. No, no, it's really about seven. Can I cut that back? I bring it in the house every year, and it's getting to be up to my ceilings. Yeah, great, good for you, Mary Jo. A ten foot tall, well, maybe seven, even seven. That's good for you. That's great. Yes, you can cut this plant back, pretty pretty much any time, um, and it is a uh, pretty easy houseplant for us to grow. Um, you, of course, know that because you've had it for quite a long time, but it likes good sunny conditions. And it will, uh, when you cut the top back, uh, it will send outside shoots. Uh, and then you'll have a bushier plant and uh you, maybe you put it outside in the summer. it loves being outside in the in the uh sun in the summer. hibiscus is really one of our great indoor house plants that people often can get that to bloom indoors. It does take an awful lot of water and it likes uh full sun, but yeah, good for you.
0: Yes, I should say. Mary, we always like to ask you what's going on at the arboretum um these days. Wow. Can you tell us yes. yeah.
1: What's going on at the Arboretum? There's a lot going on. Um, You can go to the Arboretum any day as long as you get a ticket. Tickets are available today, almost every hour of the day. I looked that up. Uh, If you're a member uh, or not, you need a ticket to go out and walk around the Arboretum. You don't need a ticket if you want to go to the Apple Boutique this is the Apple House, which is open later this year. Has many wonderful gift items, and they still have some of Minnesota apples: Snow Sweet, Harrelson, Honeycrisp, and Sonia. Were still available as of yesterday, so um, there are still apples there. No ticket needed to go to the Apple Boutique. And then the third thing going on at the Arboretum is winter lights. This is a drive-through experience. Everyone needs a ticket, and um, everyone has to pay for this. It's uh, $10 for members, $15 if you're not a member. But it's a beautiful, magical drive-through experience. Um, At one point, we were sold out of tickets, but there are tickets available now. The winter lights will be going on through January 17th. So check the website out for that. It's a beautiful, uh, magical light display. But if you don't want to go to the light display, you can still go walk around the Arboretum. But uh, check the website to get a time to enter.
0: Such a great resource. All right, Mary. We have to take a bottom of the hour break. We're going to look at that snowless forecast coming along here in a minute or so. So stay with us. We have about another half hour of our Smart Garden show to go. So stay there. If you want to call us or text us, same number, 651 989 9226. Smart Garden returns in a moment from News Talk 830 WCCO. Degrees. and good morning welcome back to our smart garden show mary meyer from the university of minnesota helping you out today by phone and by text as usual Uh, mary texter wants to know is it too warm now to trim oak trees
1: uh no right now is actually the safest time of year to prune oak trees Oaks, unfortunately, we have oak wilt, which is a a major disease, and the least amount of transmission of the disease is right now in the the dead of the winter. So um, pruning oaks, this is the time of year to do it.
0: Very good. Uh, Let's go back to the phones. We have folks waiting there, Mary. Pat, I think, is first up here calling in from Roseville. Pat, you're on CCO. Good morning.
1: Good morning. I have a question regarding covering my... Uh, perennial garden flowers. I haven't done it yet because the ground didn't freeze, but I'm wondering when I should do that. Um, you could you could do that right now, Pat. Um, the ground is kind of semi-frozen. Um, here and there, different parts of it has frozen. Uh, some areas, uh, depending on the exposure, north, south, east, or west, but, um, I I would go ahead and put some mulch on at this time of year um, because um, it's late enough to do it. And um, I think the risk of damage now is almost greater than smothering it, which is what we don't want to do by putting it down too early. So, gosh, December 12th. Have I ever wondered if it was too early to put a mulch down on December 12th? But uh, strange weather conditions uh, make us really think twice, but I would go ahead and do it. My perennials are pretty much covered up with leaves. from just I don't clean them up in the fall, and the leaves blew in there. So if, if that didn't happen to yours, I would uh, put the mulch on now.
0: Okay, very good. Thanks, Pat. Uh, James is calling in from uh, New Hope, I believe, this morning. James, you're on with Mary on CCO. Good morning.
1: Hey, good morning. It's Jamie, actually. Oh, sorry, Jamie. (laughs) Uh, I miss you on Sunday. Doggone it. It's been a while. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) Um, Um, Mary, I've got a geranium that I just uh, moved from a smaller pot into a bigger pot. And when I pulled it out of the smaller pot, um, I bought those little spades. um, It left a good amount of um, kind of fairly compacted round ball of the roots. Um, I did manage to save some of the roots, and I put it in. I used the um, Maoka Grow potting soil, watered it good. Is there usually a time when it takes a while for it to start blooming again when you move it? Because the leaves look super healthy. It's just not blooming yet. Yes, Jamie. I think it lost some of its root system, as you said. But bright sun conditions, and uh, I would give it some so geraniums uh, can bloom in the the winter time all through the winter um, if they have good bright light conditions. But um, it, because you repotted it, it's going to take a little bit longer. It will have to reestablish um, its roots. So depending on when you repotted it, I would give it two or three weeks after you repot it, and then I'd start uh, dilute liquid fertilizer and full sun.
0: Very good. Thank you, Jamie. Kathy's calling in this morning, I believe, from Lino Lakes. Kathy, you're on CCO. Good morning to you.
1: Good morning. Hi. Um, I was told before not to water our new bushes and new blue spruce if it was um, below 40 degrees, but because of the drought, should we be watering this month now? Uh, Yes, Um, the fact that maybe you didn't water and uh, we really are in a drier situation. Other than the snow that we had in October, we've hardly had any moisture uh, for several weeks. So, yes, I I ahead and try to water those. You know, it's going to be kind of tough because if your soil is somewhat frozen, the water is just going to run off. But if if you said it's the blue spruce, so it's the evergreens that are the most uh, vulnerable uh, with lack of water, because of course they still have they keep their their foliage year round, so they're always in the process of uptaking some water. Our uh, deciduous plants are not quite as vulnerable, but I, I would try to water that and see what happens. Put the water on kind of low to begin with to see if it's actually going to sink into the ground. And hopefully uh, you'll still be able to get some moisture um, into the ground near where the roots are.
0: Yeah. On a related note, uh, and I agree. In fact, I did the same thing as this next text. Texter says, I watered boxwood this week while it was in the forties. Was that okay? And I found that at least my ground was not uh, frozen yet. And so it yes, absorbs. It, it absorbed it.
1: Yes, as long as it, it, as long as you can see the water going in and it's not running off, then yes, I think it's definitely worth it. And right, you, it, if it's above freezing, then you have a much better chance of you know everything working well. So these these warm days that were in the forties, you could could do that. Yes, it. And there again, you have an evergreen the evergreens that need the moisture the most going into the winter.
0: Yeah, I didn't want what happened a couple of years ago to those boxwoods like a lot of folks. Uh, Texter says, uh, can you wick buckthorn stem during the winter months, and is it effective?
1: Well, I couldn't quite catch what you said, Dave. Well, they're,
0: they're using the term wick.
1: Oh, WICK, W-I-C-K, yeah. Yeah, so this is, um, this is another thing I was going to talk about. What can you be doing this time of year, removing invasive plants from your landscape? So, yes, you can. The thing is, the WICKing is um, a herbicide application, and uh, herbicides will not work in cold weather, So you can remove buckthorn now, and at the Arboretum, we've been doing some um, extra time uh, removing invasive plants because of the weather conditions, but not with herbicides because the herbicides really, they basically need 50 or 55 degrees to really work. So removing buckthorn, uh, pulling it out or cutting it back can be done now, but not with a herbicide use.
0: Okay. Back to the phones we go. John is calling us this morning from New Germany, I believe. John, you're on CCO with Mary. Uh,
1: Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. Mm -hmm. I have uh, hibiscus in a raised flower bed on the south face of my building, above a sidewalk and right on the main street. Uh, The plants are established. They've been in three, four years, and I've noticed around the base of the stems or whatever, there appears to be a lot of voids in the soil and what have you. So I went ahead and top-dressed it lightly with some, some dirt and added a little 10-10-10 fertilizer. Uh, seeing as it's been so dry, about a week ago, I gave them each a little drink of water. Now I'm considering covering them lightly with hay. Am I on the right track, or should I have not watered, or does the fertilizer harm or help? I think you're on the right track. I think everything you did is is fine. Um, I probably wouldn't have fertilized this time of year because there's not a lot of root activity, but hopefully the fertilizer won't uh, leach out or drain off somewhere. But I think protection now is good. When you have a raised bed like that, you have more of a chance of the whole thing freezing because it's uh above the the ground, but the bigger the raised bed the the more protection will be in there for the hibiscus and the fact they've been there three or four years that seems like that's uh that's a good location so yeah, I think you're you're really on the right track and um uh I think the watering late uh in the year was a good idea Very okay, good thank you so much
0: yeah thank thank you yep,
1: yep. goodbye.
0: Bye bye. All right. Let's see. Here's a comment from a listener, Mary. Said, uh, I bought some bulbs at Girton's yesterday, and we'll be planting them today, December 12th. That's
1: good. Good. There's somebody else who can get the shovel in the ground, right?
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Is Elmer in, uh, calling in from Bloomington this morning, I believe? Elmer, are you there? Hello. Yeah, Elmer, how can we help you?
1: Well, I have some evergreens along the south side of my lot that were planted in 1940. They're probably 70, 80 feet tall and a couple, three feet around at the base. And they're doing something this year that I've never seen before. When the wind blows, uh, they're shedding. It looks like the new growth on the end of the branches. Uh, the, the, The green part that falls off is probably an inch, inch and a half long, and it's very green. But they're blowing. It's blowing off of the trees. It's all over the street, and I've never seen them shed like this before. Wow, Elmer, I'm I'm not sure what's going on there. Um, I wonder, you know, um, because it's the green young growth coming off. I'm wondering if something is actually cutting it off, like squirrels or. Um, other animals that would be uh, feeding on that, um, yeah, that that's really uh, unusual. Um, hopefully not enough of it is coming off that it's going to affect the plants. Hopefully it's this is a small percentage of them. Uh, but I would do some inspection. Um, if you can look at the, the uh, tips that are coming off and see if it looks like something is chewing on them, maybe uh, watch the plants, see if you can see if there's squirrels or some other animal that's up there living in that. But uh, gosh, I don't know what else to tell you. That's, uh, hopefully, it's a minor amount coming off.
0: you are good. I know we have to take a break here. Let me read this text and uh, and then we'll take a break. It says this, I made a popcorn cranberry chain for my indoor Christmas tree. Can I just throw it in the yard for the birds or will the thread harm them, do you think?
1: I think if you use a cotton thread, that's the, um, a natural material thread, you'll be all right. But if you use something that is synthetic, that won't um, won't uh, deteriorate, then I think you should just, um, you know, cut it, cut one end and just uh, put the uh, popcorn and cranberries, just throw it out without the string.
0: Without the string to be,
1: to right. be safe. All mm-hmm. right.
0: Hang on, Mary. We'll uh, take this quick break here. We have more Smart Garden Show to come. Uh, We have a bunch of text messages, and if you'd like to call us, that's fine, too, 651-989-9226. 28 degrees in the Twin Cities. We'll be right back here on News Talk 830 WCCO. Good morning, and welcome back to our Smart Garden Show. We are here on CCO every Saturday in the eight o'clock hour, thanks to good friends like Mary Meyer from the University of Minnesota. Mary's helping us out today by phone and by text, as usual. Speaking of text, Mary, uh, South Minneapolis is the texter says a few weeks ago. You guys answered my text about potted strawberries and to bring them in once the temps have been below 25 for a few consecutive days. I thought they'd go dormant, but due to the warm temperatures, have continued to grow, so I put them back outside, not sure where to go from here. Thank you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right. Uh, some guys have, yeah, not sure where to go from here is kind of where gardeners are today with the different weather that we have had. Um, I, I would say that... Um, Take your cue from the strawberries. As long as they are green and look like they're still growing, you could keep them outside. But once we get down into the teens, uh, anything below 20, uh, in a container, potted strawberries are at risk. So watch the temperature, and uh, once we start having consistent weather in the teens, that's going to be too much for them. Then they're going to need to be um, inside. And, I, you know, I'm not sure – I don't think you can really grow strawberries year-round. If you're trying to grow them year-round, I would say that you you should bring them in right away because um, otherwise they're they're going to go into dormancy.
0: Sure. Dexter says, uh, we had a variety of unplanted vines growing in our disorganized garden these past two years. Can they easily be removed or eliminated, these vines? Yeah, the
1: common vines that we have are the wild uh, grape, wild grapevine. is an amazing thing, can grow oh, 15 feet easily in a season. And then there's uh, two kinds of ivy. So the Boston ivy and the <clears throat> other, um, uh, there's tricuspidata and quincifolia. There's Three three leaves, three lobes to the leaves, and then five lobes. But the those two types of ivy and the uh, grapevine, very vigorous. This actually might be a good time to think about removing them. You can see the vines. Uh, you can pull them out fairly easily. The trick is finding the base of them. And then you'll just be amazed at how long they are. So I would say, um, yeah, I would remove those. Uh, they can often grow over top of other shrubs and really get um, out of bounds.
0: Texas says, love this lawn and garden show. What is the best care for an indoor four-foot Norf- Norfolk Island pine? Thank you.
1: Best care for a four-foot indoor Norfolk Island pine. Um, if you've gotten this plant to four feet, I think you're doing things yes, right. Unless maybe sure. you just you just bought it. But uh, I have talked to uh, people who get a Norfolk Island pine that will reach the ceiling in their house. So it is a fairly uh, relatively easy house plant to, go, to grow. Um, it doesn't like wet feet. So you don't want to water it too often, but when you do water it, water it, water it thoroughly and then give it good light conditions. Um, especially when we get to these dark short days, it does like um I have mine in a uh a eastern window. So it gets um some day some direct sun for part of the day. So good light and uh infrequent but deep watering.
0: Uh-huh. Texas wants to know, are Christmas cactus fooled by indoor lighting?
1: <laughs> yes, yes, um, the fooling is a good way to put it. But they are very uh, sensitive to the day length. They set buds in short days. So if we give them our long days that we live in, when we turn the lights on at night, they will not flower unless conditions are cold. So cold temperatures are cool, like in the 50s, can substitute for short days. So you've got to do one or the other to get them to flower. Okay.
0: Mary, a listener wants to know, what is the reason for covering strawberries with straw?
1: To protect them through the winter. Uh, they are uh, herbaceous plants growing pretty much uh, above the soil, and they need some protection for the winter. So snow can work like we talked about in the very beginning of the show, the poor man's mulch or straw, that's usually what's used. Uh, it, straw is a good insulating material. It has air spaces. And, uh, and yet provides air drainage so the plants don't suffocate. So it's, it's that winter protection which is um, important on, on a plant like strawberries where uh, the whole part of the plant, the whole top, the, even the flower buds, even though they're tucked in there, need extra winter protection.
0: Another text says, uh, should I wrap or use mulch for a newly planted, in May, hydrangea tree this winter? So wrap it or mulch it, that hydrangea tree.
1: Um, I think probably wrapping is going to, the wrapping in my mind would be to keep rabbits from eating the bark. Um, uh, Hydrangeas are really quite hardy, so they don't need protection from the uh, the winter cold temperatures, what they need, might need protection from, especially new planted, is uh, more from rabbit injury. And rabbits, you know, they can just eat almost anything, so you can never really tell what they're going to want to eat. But we have great information on protecting for winter or protecting from wildlife um, on the extension website at extension.umn.edu. Just put in the search engine there, uh, protecting your plants from winter or protecting plants, and both of those options will come up.
0: I'm glad you brought that up because we, we can't mention it enough. It's so, such great reading, such a great resource, extension.umn.edu. Uh, pass some time uh, checking that out. Some, a lot of work, labors of love have been put into that uh, for sure. That's right. Uh, Mary, we just have about a minute or so to go see if we can't grab another text here. Can I trim my honeysuckle hedge from eight to six feet right now?
1: Uh, from eight down to six feet. Yes, uh, you could do that. Um you cutting just off the top of it might make it bushy and kind of weird at the top you might want to consider taking some individual stems out from the base as well uh cutting this time of year you might sacrifice some of the flowers in the honeysuckle otherwise you could wait to cut them off after just after it flowers next year but honeysuckle big tough plant for our uh area so um, usually, uh, other than maybe losing a few flowers, you can prune it now.
0: Very good. Mary, we are out of time. Thanks so much for your help. Again. Always a pleasure. We'll uh, We'll talk again soon, I hope.
1: Yes, Denny. Always a pleasure. It's so fun to hear uh, from our listeners and what their gardening questions are. Thanks for well, having Extension on this show.
0: Absolutely. Our pleasure. Thank you, Mary Meyer from the University of Minnesota. Get those deck questions and porch questions ready next hour. Luke Panic will be in for Andy Lindis on our home improvement show here on News Talk 830 WCCO. Right now in the Twin Cities, currently 28 degrees. Stay with us.